Hi, I'm Father Donald Calloway, coming to you from the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. And this is Living Divine Mercy. And today, I'm your guest host. Today, we're going to talk about something very special to me that I love, the Holy Rosary. Oh, my friends, what this has done for me in my life, in my priesthood, has been extraordinary. I don't think I'd be the man that I am today without these blessed beads. You know, everywhere I go, I tell people, if you remember anything from my talks, and I give talks on so many different topics, I beg you, I urge you to pray the daily rosary. It has life-changing power. You know, sometimes people will say to me, oh, but Father, that's just for nuns in a convent. That My grandma did that, and I don't really need to do that. I, 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 that's maybe for people who are weak in their faith. Oh, no, not at all, my friends. It is a powerful weapon, a powerful sword even. And yes, I know that's strong terminology. Some people might say, ooh, that's a little aggressive. That's a little militaristic. Yes, it is. Because my friends, from the very beginning of the existence of the rosary, it's been considered to be a rose and a weapon. So let me, let me explain that a little bit because some people might be a little startled by that. When, according to tradition, Our Lady came to St. Dominic and she gave him the rosary, she said to him that it would be used as a battering ram against falsehoods, against heresy. And, you know, Our Lady, she's our spiritual mother. We should listen to her. All good children listen to their mother. So a battering ram, that's powerful terminology, basically a weapon. Now, St. Dominic and those who followed him, they began a practice of piously wearing this rosary as part of their religious habit. If you've ever seen a Dominican, they wear a rosary, and many other religious communities wear a rosary as part of their religious attire. But let me ask you this. Do you know which side that the majority of them, almost all of them, wear their rosary on? Is it on their right side or is it on their left side? It's on their left side. Now, why is that? Was that just random decision? No, it was intentional. There was a meaning behind it. See, most people are right-handed. Not all, but most. So, when you go back in medieval times to take your sword out, you take your right hand to your left side and you unsheathe it. So, they began to wear the rosary on their left side as a, a sign, a symbol, that they intended it to be a spiritual sword. Now, why a spiritual sword in particular? Well, do you remember in the New Testament, St. Paul says that the Word of God is sharper than any sword, able to cut through bone and marrow. And it's basically he's saying the, the weapon of the spiritual warrior because it's the Word of God. The Word of God has power and it always bears fruit. Well, the people who were promoting the rosary after St. Dominic, the, they realized that the prayers that make up the rosary are what? The Bible on a set of beads. Almost all of the prayers of the rosary come from the Bible. What are those prayers? Well, the Our Father prayer from the lips of our Lord himself. You have the Hail Mary prayer, which is the combination of the angelic salutation when the angel came to Mary and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And then the second half is when Elizabeth, greeting Mary, 
said, Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Blessed are you among women. So we have that combination in the Hail Mary right out of the New Testament. Then we have, of course, the, the glory be to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit prayer, classic Trinitarian prayer. So it comes right out of the New Testament. And then we meditate upon the sacred saving mysteries of the life of our Savior. You know, I've often said to people that to pray the rosary is to make a daily pilgrimage. You know, I've been privileged to make many pilgrimages myself to places overseas, to Lourdes and Fatima and the Holy Land and Poland and down to Mexico and so many other places, and I love them. But sometimes people are not able to go on a pilgrimage. Maybe there's health reasons, financial reasons. Maybe, you know, you have a large family, which is wonderful. Those tickets can be kind of costly, but it's okay. By praying the rosary on a daily basis, you're making a spiritual pilgrimage. You're going in your mind and in your heart to Bethlehem, to Calvary, to Cana, and so many other places. Those are the sacred saving mysteries. And you know, there are so many examples that we've been told by popes and saints, even secular people, about the power of praying a daily rosary. Think about this. When Our Lady comes and her approved apparitions, what is the most consistent theme that she's always telling, usually little children, what is she always saying to them? And that message is meant to go out to the whole, the, all the world. Pray the rosary, she says. Every time, pray the rosary. It changes things. It has the ability to stop wars, to heal people from addictions, to heal marriages, to raise up holy vocations, and to do incredible things. The devil is going to be defeated when we unsheathe this spiritual sword because it's made from the word of God. Maybe you're familiar with my conversion story. I've told it so many times at parishes and conferences around the world for the last 20 years. I wonder oftentimes how many times I, I have told my story. You might remember from that story that my own mother, after having her own conversion to Catholicism, what was the one thing that she began to pray every day for the conversion of her wayward son, me? It was the rosary. It was her lifeline to heaven. It gave her hope. It let her know that her prayer, her, her, her suffering as a mother was not wasted. And it took a little bit of time, just like it took Monica many years to pray her son Augustine to have a conversion. But God heard those prayers and God heard the prayers of my mother and I had my own conversion. And I am so grateful that my mother was praying that rosary. How many mothers, how many grandmothers have been praying the rosary for the conversion of their children, for their grandchildren. And I'd like to offer a challenge to all the men who are watching as well. Men, the rosary is for you too. It's not just for the nuns in the convent or for grandma. As a matter of fact, who was the first person that heaven gave the rosary to? It was a man, to St. Dominic. He was entrusted with this great rose to give to our queen, our lady, and this weapon to unsheathe and to slay dragons. Oh, my friends, I could go on and on and on. And I've written five books on the rosary, but there's so always something new to discover. And I know that sometimes people can get discouraged or maybe a little down when they don't think they pray the rosary well. My friends, don't give up. We all struggle praying the rosary. We get distracted. We get tired and sleepy. It's okay. It's okay to, to, to experience that. Even the saints experience that. 
I've often said to people at conferences, maybe it was only Padre Pio who prayed a perfect rosary with absolute concentration, with no distractions. But the rest of us, we struggle. Even St. Therese of Lisieux, the little flower, who doesn't love the little flower? She said that she struggled to pray the rosary. Little French girl, you know, getting distracted, like the rest of us. I'm sometimes three Hail Marys deep in the first set of mysteries, and I'm already thinking about dinner, or did I respond to that email, or what's that smell? You know, all kinds of things. But I often say, God is a good father. Mary is our spiritual mother. We're children in their sight. doesn't matter if we're two years old, 21 years old, 52 years old, 89 years old. We're always going to be children to them. It's okay to give them butterfly kisses, just like a little child does to his parents, distracted and all over the place, but they'll take every kiss that they can get. And that, as the great venerable Fulton Sheen says, is what it's like when we pray the rosary. We're saying over and over again on those blessed beads, I love you, I love you, I love you. And don't you want to say that to the Holy Trinity and to Our Lady? I sure do. My friends, pray a daily rosary. It'll bless your life. And now, back to Father Chris. Well, thank you, Father Don. It's always great to have you with us, and especially for your insights on the rosary. Now, many people turn to the rosary when they're experiencing pain or suffering or tribulations in their life. Let's hear the story about Johnny Scythe as she shows us, in a mist of suffering, how powerful prayer can be. My faith, I would say my understanding has really changed a lot from being that life is about, you know, getting a good job, getting you know, money so you can buy basic good things and find some happiness at times. And then with Johnny, she's completely turned that upside down because when you're in pain, stuff doesn't mean anything. And, uh, and yet she's so joyful. And so she's really changed my whole attitude to understand what life's all about. You know, life's about love, and that's where we find joy. Hey, Chris, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Really appreciate it. You know, has dealing with mom's disease affected you in any way? Has it changed your attitude towards suffering? Yeah, very much. Um, just in seeing mom, uh, Suffer one is just, it's made me really have a compassionate heart um, to just be with people, not to try to fix their problems when they're suffering, but just to, to be with them when they're suffering. And really has given me a profound knowledge of Christ's love for us, just the depth of, of what he did for us to suffer for us. Can you find joy in this situation? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that, that, you know, mom has really shown in her suffering is her constant joy. One of the things she says is that she's the most blessed person in the world. And you look at her and you think, this doesn't make any sense. But mom has kind of learned the secret that joy comes from the presence of love, not from the absence of suffering. And, and so there's realizing that the love that's in her life, your fidelity to her, um, and just how much she has been loved in this 
has been a, a great source of joy for me as well. Thank you, Chris. We'll talk to you later. So originally when God created me, I just assumed something went terribly wrong. Well, the nightmares that I had that brought me into the faith were horrible. Uh, evil nuns and monks burying me alive and I could feel the weight of the, the dirt being poured on me and I'd have them every single night, every night. And I was terrified and I'd wake up and sweating and I couldn't take it anymore. And that's why I cried out to the Lord after a year. I was like, if you are there and you want me, then you have to stop these nightmares and I'm yours. And he did. <laughs> I was always falling apart. Even when I was a little girl, both my arms dislocated and then through high school, my knees would go out and had to have surgeries. But it was after I had um, my fourth child about a year later, my whole body fell apart and it just got worse and worse. Yeah, I've had Ehlers-Danlos all my life. It's a genetic condition. It really started to affect me when I was 33 and things would turn blue, uh, dislocations, terrible, terrible headaches. So my ligaments and tendons were, are like old rubber bands, and when they stretch out, they don't go back in, and sometimes they just disintegrate. I don't think I ever lashed out at God um, in the way of why me. I did get upset when I was praying and I was ready for a healing, and I heard him say, Johnny, the weaker you are, the more I could work through you and it wasn't what I wanted, and I was not a happy camper. Sometimes when I'm in so much pain, I can't even think or pray, but I can rest with the Lord. And I've really seen the power of giving Him my pain on the cross and saying, like having Him hold me, and it has united us um, in a really special way. My artwork is really good for me for self-care, uh, just to be able to express myself in a creative way that doesn't hurt my body, uh, except when my thumbs dislocate. Um, then I have to not do my artwork, and that's a little difficult, but it's been very helpful to me, my artwork, and my friends. I am so blessed with a beautiful church community of friends that come and see me and read to me and catch me up on their lives. My biggest dream answered uh, when we went to Rome in, it was 1998, the year of the Holy Spirit. And I got to meet him, which he was the one that kept me going. John Paul II taught me that suffering when united with Christ, his suffering on the cross has meaning. It unites us to him, but he can use our sacrifice and give graces, there's a unity. And he suffered everything that I've suffered and more. I mean, my, my suffering's nothing compared to his. So I go to physical therapy once a week, been doing it for close to 30 years. He's always so 
lively and happy, and I think it's all attributed to her, her connection to God. So my book, Pain of Grace, came about uh, after an article uh, was published that I had written about my conversion story in Envoy magazine. I see her love, I see her capacity, the way she gives herself fully to people, and uh, she's an inspiration for me. Sister Faustina was also suffered with terrible illnesses and pain, so I could really relate to her. And Jesus chose her, a simple sister, to bring about letting people know about his divine mercy. I am absolutely convinced that if we go to him, trusting in his mercy, he's going to be merciful. What I'd love for people to go away with is to give God a chance. We were never intended to suffer alone. If God was able to bring me in, he could bring anybody in. He has forgiveness for everybody. Well, thank you, Johnny. We appreciate you being with us. Now, let's continue talking about the rosary as Father Allen will shed more insight on why we pray the rosary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ask a Marian. My name is Father Allen Alexander, and today's question is one close to my heart. Why do we pray the rosary? Well, that's a complex question, and there are many reasons, but ultimately it is to express our devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary and to give worship to God. In the Catechism, at paragraph 971, we read, The Church's devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary is intrinsic to Christian worship. But also, they make clear that this special devotion differs essentially from the adoration which is given to the Incarnate Word and equally to the Father and the Holy Spirit and greatly fosters this adoration. The liturgical feast dedicated to the Mother of God and the Marian prayer, especially the Rosary, an epitome of the whole Gospel, expresses this devotion to Mary. And this great quote which connects the worship given to God alone and the devotion given to Mary as Queen of the Saints, as Mother of the Church, both are encompassed in the practice of the Rosary. We pray the Rosary to ask Mary's intercession Mary prays for us. She intercedes with the church and for the church. As she interceded with the disciples, praying for the coming of the Holy Spirit. We imitate Mary when we pray the rosary. We pray the rosary to ponder all these things in our hearts. What are these things? The mysteries of Christ's life death and resurrection, the mysteries of our salvation. Mary teaches us not simply to recite words or just to rush through things, but rather to contemplate 
the mystery of God's mercy working through the events of her life, the life of our son, and our own lives. Likewise, we pray the rosary then to draw closer to the Holy Family, to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and through them to draw closer to the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These two mysteries are closely related. We give devotion to the Holy Family and worship to the Holy Trinity. We pray the rosary also to intercede for others. Many people ask us for prayers. One of the great prayers of the church is the rosary because it is, as the catechism reminds us, an epitome of the gospel, an epitome of the good news of Jesus Christ. When we ask Mary to pray with us, our offering of our prayers to the Father become more effective because she is the one to whom Christ came to us and who now already is in heaven living the mystery that the church is to become. And lastly, I would say that we pray the rosary because the saints and the popes of the church have recommended it to us. Think of such great figures as St. Dominic, Blessed Alan de la Roche, St. Louis de Montfort, St. Maximilian Colby, and probably most recent and influential for us, Pope St. John Paul II, who gave to us even five more mysteries of the rosary on which to meditate and wrote an entire encyclical on the rosary. What more do we need? Of course, we pray the rosary because it is a good thing to do. Thank you, God bless you, and see you next time on Ask a Marian. Thank you, Father Allen. Now, a lot of times non-Catholics tell us that the Hail Mary is not in the Bible. Actually, it is in the first chapter of Luke. So let's hear a little bit of the beginning of that prayer, the words of the angel Gabriel at the Annunciation. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He was great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born shall be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. 
For with God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. At the Annunciation, Mary received the Christ child into the world. Through her unconditional yes, her fiat to God, the divine plan for our salvation takes shape. Because of Mary's fiat, St. Bernard of Clairvaux calls her the aqueduct of all the graces of God to human hearts. He writes, Receiving the fullness of the fountain from the Father's heart, Mary has passed it on to us, at least insofar as we can contain it. He praises Mary for the fervor of her devotion and the purity of her prayer. We can trust in Mary's prayers for us and imitate her devotion. St. Bernard prays, Mother of life, Mother of our salvation, through you let us have access to your Son, so that through you he may receive us, he who was given to us through you. He adds, Such is the will of God, who would have us obtain everything through her hands. Let us then ask from Mary the grace to say yes to God. When I went to the garden one afternoon, my guardian angel said to me, Pray for the dying. And so I began at once to pray the rosary with the gardeners for the dying. After the rosary, we said various prayers for the dying. In the evening, when I was walking in the garden saying my rosary and came to the cemetery, I opened the gate a little and began to pray for a while. And I asked them interiorly, You are very happy, are you not? Then I heard the words, We are happy in the measure that we have fulfilled God's will. And then, silence as before. I became introspective and reflected for a long time on how I am fulfilling God's will and how I am profiting from the time that God has given me. So thank you, everybody, for being with us this week on Living Divine Mercy. And please be with us next week as we continue to bring you the program that focuses on God's greatest attribute, that of divine mercy. And until next week, may Almighty God bless you and yours in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.